2: You are listening to the Dan Patrick show on Fox Sports Radio.
0: It's hour one on this Wednesday. the good looking crew that is the Danettes, along with yours truly. Gangs all here including the great Todd Fritz Did't do well yesterday in the looks department as far as the rating system. Q3 cute Q3. Three, cute three. you were a Q three. nothing wrong with that and I
3: got a two I believe.
0: No nowhere to go but up. Come on in, stay a while, Eight seven seven three 3 dp show email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at Show. stat of the day, brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of this program. Good morning if you're watching on Peacock. Thank you for allowing us into your home, our streaming partner, and our radio affiliates. We are at 400 cities around America that carry this program. First hour brought to you by Discover, Discover Card. You have access to 24-7 customer service, zero-dollar fraud liability. That means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations, like Fritzy do apply. Dan Orlovsky of The Mothership will join us coming up as we start to handicap the conference championship games. That'll be uh, here in about 15 minutes. The Eagles have uh, bounced their offensive coordinator, and they got a long list that might be uh, helping Nick Sirianni. Still don't know if they're keeping him, but I think the owner and the coach are going to have a joint press conference here at some point this week to announce if Nick Sirianni is coming back. All righty. Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. That seemed to heat up a little bit yesterday. It's speculation right now. Uh, the Raiders got a GM, Tom Telesco, who did a good job with the Chargers as far as bringing in talent, and if you get an experienced GM to go along with a rookie head coach, that's a nice combo platter. The Milwaukee Bucks need a new head coach. 43 games in, Adrian Griffin was let go. Excuse me. There was a report last night from CNN Sports and uh, CNN Sports doesn't exist, but uh, <laughs> excuse me, CNN Sports reporting that Doc Rivers was going to take the job. TNT said that they had uh, they'd followed up on it and they signed off on it, that uh, CNN Sports was breaking no name attached to it. CNN Sports and uh, having been a part of CNN Sports, I'm very proud to see CNN Sports back in the news. But there is no CNN Sports. And Doc Rivers hasn't been given the job, or he hasn't taken the job, at least not yet. Rachel Nichols is very offended by all of this comment, by the way. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, Paul?
2: So there's no longer CNN Sports. There's Turner Sports or TNT Sports? It's just TNT. TNT. And okay.
0: And I, I guess there's Turner Sports.
2: Because I saw the same thing yesterday. It said CNN Sports like...
0: Is- is this new? Is it old? Is it well? Back? There's no reporter's name attached to it. Just said CNN Sports, and <laughs> somebody put it out there. I thought, okay, bringing back CNN They're Sports. They're back. Yeah, maybe Doc Doc Rivers. I guess was an unofficial consultant to the Bucks with Adrian Griffin. But uh, Adrian Griffin, after 43 games, shown the door, and they have one of the better records in basketball right now. But apparently there. See the window is really small for the bucks because they went all in on Dame and this is an older team, one of the older teams in the NBA, and they gave up Drew Holiday. they got Dame. They gave up draft picks. Uh, they gave up their perimeter defense. Their defense isn't very good. And I think that's part of the reason why Adrian Griffin was fired. He wanted them to play an aggressive style of defense. But they don't have the manpower to be able to do that. And I think the players, there was a a player's revolt there. Now, they could have had Nick Nurse. And I don't think some of the players wanted, they chose Adrian Griffin. And then Mike Budenholzer got fired last May. Like, you see this now, where if you win, how long is that window where, hey, I can get by on a subpar season, or if we get bounced in the first round? It it does. It's not a long, you know, rope here. Uh, you know, Joe Madden, what he did with the Cubs. See ya. Uh, Doug Peterson with the Eagles. See you. Doesn't take long. But with the Bucks, this is a small window here because you got you got some older guys, Lopez and Dame. Uh, I think they were trying to play a style that they weren't comfortable playing, but they are a bad defensive team, or at least they were. And uh, he was trying to shore that up. The problem is they got rid of their best perimeter defender in Drew Holiday to bring in Dame Lillard. All right, what's poll question we're going with today, Seaton? Uh, why don't we start with the Bucks? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Bucks firing first year head
1: coach Adrian Griffin is admitting a mistake or making a mistake?
0: Ooh. Oh, I would say admitting a mistake. I mean, they're winning, I I think it bothered maybe the players, maybe ownership of how they were winning. A lot of close games. And it was more of we're outscoring people. And that's the mindset of some of these teams, you know, like the Pacers. You know, they're trying to outscore you. They bring in Pascal Siakam, they add more scoring here. They want to outscore you. Hey, we might not be able to out-defend you, but we can outscore you. Yes, Marv?
3: Maybe we should blame the Pistons because they had a close game against the Pistons, thing Monday night. I think it was tied up at halftime. Mm. So I'm sure Giannis was like, wait, if we're tied up with the Pistons, we got the wrong coach.
0: Yeah. What else do you have, Seaton? And, and if they bring in Doc Rivers, you know, great. That's an upgrade. Uh, and if he's already been an unofficial consultant there, then, you know, that's fine. Um, but also you got to factor in Doc Rivers' track record here. He's had more disappointments probably than any other coach oh, in no. playoff history. We don't to bring that up. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you do have to bring it up. Because after a while, it's not a coincidence. Love Doc, but his lack of success in the postseason is alarming. All right, Seaton. Doc Rivers and the Bucks will be better or about the same? <laughs> well, this might be a move that you're hoping morale Improves, therefore things will improve. Because if you got a coach that you don't get along with, you don't like, you're bringing Doc Rivers in to be an unofficial consultant, and he's a rookie coach, then I think things will be better. Now I don't know if anybody else is up for that job, but you have a team that has to win right now, because it's not going to be pretty in about two or three years. And I think with Giannis, and Giannis says, "Hey, this is where I want to be, my team forever." Uh how long can you get Dame being Dame? Is Chris Middleton gonna take the next step? Lopez is one of the older big men in the game. Yes, Seton. I do appreciate the Bucks being all in. Okay. On
1: we have to win right now. Okay. We're not we don't have the time for and Adrian Griffin, I would love for him to get a shot. It's a Seton Hall guy. That would be great. But mm-hmm. he I understand the idea that like we only have these players for a certain window and we need to get rings.
0: And we don't have time for this dude to work out his rookie mistakes. I, I do appreciate that. I was just surprised that a team that's a veteran team and having a rookie head coach. Yeah. I just, I didn't understand it. I thought, oh, God, now, you know, he had waited, you know, whatever, two decades to get this opportunity. But sometimes when you bring a rookie coach in with veterans, that doesn't work. Mm. You know, look at David Blatt with the Cavs, he got run. Yeah, like LeBron looked around and went, wait, I got David Blatt coaching me. And they were, they had a good record when they got rid of him. Yes, Marvin.
3: Then they won the NBA title that same season. Yeah. We had
0: Ty Lue there on the bench mm -hmm. and they're like, come on in. We don't need David Blatt. But, and maybe they didn't. And maybe they made, well, they made the right move, I guess. David Blatt uh, disappeared. They won a championship. Uh, So I think, you know, they, they made a decision It's an abrupt decision. You don't even make it to the All-Star game. And you would think with that kind of record that you'd be able to at least have a stay of execution. But not the case. By the way, a couple of Hall of Fame uh, members, new members, Adrian Beltre, uh, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton went into the Hall of Fame. It was one of those where I went, wait, oh, they're announcing this today. And I just thought it, it kind of disappeared in there, in the sports world. And, and I understand it with whatever, you know, everything that goes on, certainly with the NFL. But, I mean, baseball can't be this far down the totem pole where you go, hey, Hall of Fame, I mean, it used to be a big deal. I mean, it's still a big deal to go into the Hall of Fame, but just the buildup. And, and I know we tend to, it feels like every year. When we have players go in or don't go in, we get back to the same kind of arguments here. Is Adrian Beltray, you know, worthy of 95% of the votes? No, he's not. Is Joe Mauer a first ballot Hall of Famer? No, I don't think so. Todd Helton with his numbers? Okay. How much was that Coors field? These are all really, really good players. But Beltre was a compiler. Uh, Now he did have five gold gloves but when you mention great third baseman of all time Adrian Beltray, given his vote total is right there George Brett, Mike Schmidt maybe one other third baseman in there that I'm missing. Brooks Robinson maybe Uh, Joe Maurer winning batting titles as a catcher certainly helped but uh, he prolonged his career by moving to first base. Todd Helton helped out by Coors Field. had incredible numbers, a batting average of like 315 for his career. So it's it's interesting. But baseball did this to itself because we had these incredible numbers, and then all of a sudden we don't validate those numbers. So now you're getting back to maybe more of what is real in baseball, or at least we hope. But as far as superstars, you got Otani and you got Bryce Harper anybody else in there Kershaw's not a superstar anymore um, so that you know we're waiting for Mike trout to be a, a star from the you know from fame you know that you're playing in big games uh, you know obviously a first battle Hall of famer but you know baseball loses some of that star power and you know baseball can blame itself for a lot of that baseball is big in the local markets but it's just not the national pastime anymore and I think baseball, with what we thought were real numbers, and they're not real numbers, now back to what maybe are real numbers as we move forward. At, uh, you know The bar is lowered a little bit here of who's getting in, what is required. But first ballot Hall of Famer, Joe Maurer, great player. Not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Adrian Beltre, not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Great numbers. Compiler. Uh, and then Todd Helton. Uh, getting in, made the jump from, I think he was in the 60s last year. And I don't know if any of these other guys are going to get in because it always comes down to, well, what about Pete Rose? Pete's not getting in. What about A-Rod? Not getting in. Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds. It's a museum. Yeah, We've had these discussions for many, many years. Um, if if you're going to put him in, in a museum, then have the plaque represent really who they were or are Um just, and, and I have no problem. If people want that in the hall of fame, it's your hall of fame. It's the fans. It's a museum. You want to do that? It's just, I don't want those guys to benefit, be rewarded if they cheated the game because then everybody else, you know, players had to do the same and just the trickle down of, if you don't do it, you're going to be left in the dust here. Um, and, you know, you hear a variety of reasons of that guy was a Hall of Famer before, he, you know, he used steroids. No, no, no. It's, it's your entire career. You know, you can't be father of the year and then you cheat on your wife and then you leave your wife, but you were father of the year. No, it doesn't work that way. It's, you're, it's the totality here. Clemens, Bonds. Yeah, great. You were on the road to the Hall of Fame and you screwed it up. A-Rod, you screwed it up. Nobody else did, you guys did, and you guys got paid handsomely for this. Do I appreciate what I saw? Yes. Do I believe what I saw? No. But at the time you're watching and you know, they everybody seemed to sign off that you know, everybody's good on this, clean on this, no issues here. But we know, and I just don't want to see those players rewarded. If you want them in the Hall of Fame, if the Hall of Fame the Hall of Fame is separate from baseball. If the Hall of Fame wants them on the ballot or they want to put Pete Rose in or on the ballot, they can do that. And if you want those players in there, what's their plaque look like? Then fine. Yeah. It, it's. I'm tired of fighting it or at least objecting to it because I was around it. And, and it's not that I go, boy, now I feel guilty. I have to speak up. It's just I saw it. And I think baseball did a poor job in policing that. And we created fictitious numbers here. We did. And people say, well, you know, you still got to hit the baseball. Yes, if you get to the major leagues, you already know how to hit the baseball. But if you hit the baseball further, then that's the benefit. I mean, Ben Johnson knew how to run, but then he used steroids to help him run even faster. So... The fastest human ever. So, I once again, I don't want this to be, you know, turn into a, a discourse or referendum on this. We've been down this road before, and maybe baseball changes where it's the Hall of Really Good or Very Good that we're looking at. That they aren't these, you know, superstars, or at least when we were growing up. You know, Don Mattingly, to me, that's a Hall of Famer. Injury cut short his career. Kirby Puckett got in. Injury cut short his career. Terrell Davis got in. Injury. Gail Sayers. You know, baseball, they could could look at Don Mattingly and put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. Yes, Mark? Do you think
3: because when Don Mattingly was the best player on the Yankees, they weren't very good? Yeah. Does that hurt him? Because Kirby Puckett, they were on like World Series teams when he was there.
0: Yes, I think he won two titles. But Donnie missed out by a year. You know, he battled that back injury, and then the Yankees got good. But he couldn't play any longer. But you know, someone like Steve Nash, Steve Nash, bad back, uh, didn't win anything, any titles. Won a couple MVPs, but he's a Hall of Famer. You know, we have careers that are cut short, and. You know, you could make that argument for Donnie Baseball. All right, we're uh, we got sidetracked there. I promised myself that I wouldn't get sidetracked, but I did. I got sucked back into the vortex that is baseball Hall of Fame voting. All right, we'll turn our attention to uh, the playoffs coming up this weekend. We'll talk to Dan Orlovsky. He's in the on deck circle. We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show.
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love pick six. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat, rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code Show for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code Show Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS plus
5: in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick slash promos. All right, everybody,
3: game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock.
1: And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item.
5: It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
0: Settle on a poll question. Get to phone calls as well. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Multiple reports indicate Michigan continues its full court press to come to terms with a nine-year contract that would pay Jim Harbaugh $11.5 million a year. He's also had a couple of meetings, perhaps a dinner with the Chargers. And right now, we're still waiting to hear if Jim Harbaugh is using the Chargers as leverage to get an even bigger deal, or maybe vice versa. All dp right, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. It was announced last night the Bucks had fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, after 43 games, and that Doc Rivers might be in the on-deck circle. We're uh, lucky enough to have Doc Rivers here in studio, so I can ask Doc. Doc, are you taking the Bucks job?
3: <laughs> Dan, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what CNN Sports is, but I don't know anything about this. I would love an opportunity to get back into the NBA, but I, I got nothing further on that. I have not heard from the Bucks or any other organization looking to hire me. as
4: All
0: righty. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Doc. <laughs> I appreciate that. Long-winded, Doctor. Yeah. I think that was one breath. Thank you, Tom. Got to stay within ourselves. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Dan Orlovsky of The Mothership, part of NFL Live. You can watch Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern on ESPN. Um, It feels like most of the talk in the first couple of days after these games over the weekend have to do with people defending or criticizing Josh Allen or defending or criticizing Brock Purdy. Yeah. Why?
6: Uh, well, I think, I mean, obviously I was on the whole day Monday doing the defending of Josh. I, I think part of, or the focal point for the defending or conversation around Josh is it doesn't make sense if you're a sports person that he's lost. You know, that that's the... That's the part where you sit there and go, sports usually is the the meritocracy. Like, you get what you deserve or you get what you earn at some point. Maybe not all the time, but at some point. And, you know, for so many instances in that matchup, that quarterback has played to a level where you sit there and say, absolutely deserves to win the game or absolutely has earned that win. And for the third time in a row, you sit there and go, it didn't happen. You know, and, and he became a lightning rod this year because of, the conversation of turnovers and and everyone that was you know trying to make that the focal point of his game and so i think it just became this this overwhelming conversation because if josh had turned thrown the you know two interceptions on on sunday night's game it would have been different but he played at such a remarkable level that it became this like well dude you should win that game but then the the crowd that wants to you know hate on um used it well you lost and then i think for brock purdy i mean there's a reality danny didn't play good for the first you know three plus quarters and so you know for the crowd that isn't the brock purdy group it's well i told you so we finally we got there and then he has the game-winning drive and everyone's like well game winner you know that has to matter at some point so um it, it's kind of what you're going into narrative fits around but
0: also I think that we want Josh Allen to be on the same level as Patrick Mahomes. Like we're, Yeah, I mean because we're wishing that. We're wishing that. Um, yeah. And and he's probably on the level with Lamar Jackson. He's not on the level with Patrick Mahomes. Like like just just like, you know talking about success. I mean Lamar hasn't done anything in the playoffs, but he's got two MVPs. But it yeah. it just feels like we're Trying to create a Brady Manning, you know Marino uh, Montana. Like we want that. It's just we want competition for Mahomes, and it's just not there.
6: Yeah, I'm. I, I love Patrick. This is Patrick's fault, though. You know, it's there is that reality. <laughs> I say that all the time. You know, it's that's why some kids get drafted in the first round. I, I go, it's Patrick's fault. You know, so <laughs> Patrick is this. He's the guy to blame for this. Yeah, I mean, t- but but. To put that into context, right? He's not on Patrick's level. If Patrick's a 10 out of 10 or 100 out of 100, he is the next number down, Josh Allen. And it's fair to say that he's not on that level because he hasn't had that playoff win or whatnot, but the numbers and performances would say that he is. You know, like that's that's the hard part of that, Dan, is like the when you have when you're 0-3 versus a guy in the playoffs, but those three playoff runs, you have 22 touchdowns and one interception, you go, how? Yeah. When you're a guy who's got two seasons of 50-plus touchdowns and not in the championship game, you go, how? You're the only person ever. So, yeah, he, he it, we can't put him on Patrick's level, um, but it's not like it's, you know, a level that is in such a distance. And I think part of it, too, is, you know, the Bills fan base. You, you, as much as you might hate sports or you might hate your rivals fan bases i think a lot of people root for the bills a lot of people root for their fan base a lot of people root because of some of their playoff mishaps in the past and so it's a lot in the way the game ended you know if the 13 second game from a couple years ago you're like there's no humanly possible way this Past week, if they got beat thirty five to ten, we're not having these conversations. And you, you know, if or if that field goal goes in and Patrick drives them down and they get a game winning field goal, we're not having these conversations. It's also attached to how the game ended.
0: Tougher to defend when they're at their peak, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes.
6: Yes, um, you know, <laughs> I, I still, I still would say Patrick, um, and I would say Patrick. Both of them are guys that you could have the perfect play call as a defensive coordinator. All 11 people on your defense could play it absolutely perfect, and it wouldn't matter. Both of them are in that group. Patrick, because Patrick has made more you-should-not-do-that throws than Lamar has for me. Um, Lamar's probably made more, oh-my-gosh, runs than Patrick has. Um, and I've also seen Patrick do it in the moment, you know, and so I, I would probably say Patrick, but, again, it's not far off.
0: How do the Lions get to the Super Bowl?
6: Uh, number one, you, you know, I, don't, I said this. I don't know who's calling that game. I don't know what analyst is calling it. They're going to use the phrase pin-pull in choice a ton, that's a run scheme. You know, you pin the outside, you pull guys around. San Francisco is vulnerable to that. Everybody that has played San Francisco tough and beaten them has has had success with that. Arizona did. Green Bay had 100 yards on just that run last week. Detroit majors in it. it they love it. So Detroit's got to dominate in that aspect. Number two, Jared's got to toe the line between like being reactive and proactive. I've seen Jared become reactive in these moments and you don't want him to be reactive. You want him to be proactive, move people with your eyes, trust what they're telling you. And then they got three guys that what we, they run what we call a choice route stand. So they, you, you give these guys just the opportunity, Hey, go get open type stuff. So it's Laporta Gibbs and Amon Ra, and all that's rare. Most teams have won McCaffrey for San Francisco is really the guy. Um, if those three guys are really good in that route concept, it's hard to not, like, get open and hard to defend. I think if they can be really good in that, they win.
0: I think the big concern with the Niners has been that front. Like, they, they don't get at after people the way – I mean, they have the names to get after people, but they haven't. That, to me, has been Absolutely. alarming.
6: Yeah, both lines of scrimmage, you know, ha- have to be a concern if you're Kyle Shanahan because their defensive line has not dominated. Advantage Detroit. I, I think this is – I could very much so the- see this being a game where we come out going, my goodness, Detroit's offensive line. You you can't dominate a football game more. And I think that's the the the, the, the viewpoint if you're Ben Johnson and, and Dan Campbell. Um, and, again, I think for everybody at home who's trying – watch runs out on the perimeter, out on the edge – and then, you know, their defensive line, I would tell you this, too, their right tackle, he is going to get a full game of Aiden Hutchinson. I, I, if I was Aaron Glenn and who's been great as a defensive coordinator, Aiden Hutchinson is going to get as many one-on-one opportunities versus San Francisco's right tackle as possible, and that's advantage Detroit. We're talking
0: to Dan Orlovsky of the Mothership. You can catch him on NFL Live Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern on ESPN. You came out same year that Joe Maurer, Came out of high school? Is yeah. That, is that
6: right? Uh, this is, this is, yes. Same same year. This is a dead honest story. Tom Lemming was doing – he was like the big high school recruiting guy that he had – the Tom Lemming Report magazine, all yeah. that stuff. This is in 2000, maybe 2000. Um, and I remember I had to go up to do a photo shoot for his magazine. And you're looking through the names of guys or whatnot. And he just kept talking about this dude named Joe Maurer. And so I go to I think they were the Midwest or whatnot or the Great Lakes group or whatever. And I look at his picture. And Joe's picture does not look like a you know three sport all American, certainly the number one player in both sports. And I'm like, this dude's the best quarterback <laughs> and baseball player in the country because he had this like Midwestern, like almost Toupé type of hairstyle (laughs) and you're like what and so yeah he was he was the guy i remember all of like him he was going to florida state to play quarterback and then obviously picked baseball and whatnot but he was just he was like known around the park just because he was so good
0: yeah and and he picked the right sport because you can make the most money and uh you know have long like jeff smarja with uh notre dame yeah
6: yeah joe was the number one pick right joe mauer ended up being the number one pick for minnesota yeah
0: yeah yeah, I I think is yeah he picked the uh the right right sport. All right, you could take Belichick or Harbaugh. Harbaugh, okay,
6: not even close for me. Uh, it, it, when it comes to like, from my viewpoint, he's the best quarterback developer we have in the game. That's available certainly. He's I mean, if we talk about Josh Johnson and then Alex Smith and then Colin Kaepernick. Um, and then obviously what he's done with JJ McCarthy, he's the best quarterback developer when it comes to how we get these guys to play at their very best. So I, I I would be a little bit concerned in regards to with coach Belichick and how poorly it went with Mac Jones. Obviously he's got the Tom Brady in his belt as well, but are you bringing those people that developed Tom Brady? Like who is he bringing with him in regards to his offensive staff? I think is a huge part of that conversation.
0: It's there. What do you think the odds are that Belichick gets frozen out here? That maybe he's not a head coach this next season?
6: Um, I still don't know. I, I still see him getting a job somewhere. You know, like obviously we'll see what happens with Coach Harbaugh and whatnot. Um, you continue to hear Coach Belichick's name around Atlanta. I, I, I would be surprised if he gets frozen out. But again, I don't know. You've heard these conversations from the outside of. Hey, look at his staff. Everyone, I get hit up by people, excuse me, of like, look at Coach Belichick's staff. Look at his staff. Look at his staff. And that's the weak part. And so you, you got to, who's going to be his offensive coordinator? Because of Bill O'Brien's in Penn State. Is it going to be Josh? I, I, I don't know. So I think that's part of that.
0: Well, I also wonder with the Chargers, because Harbaugh would be great. I think Pete Carroll back in Southern California running the Chargers would make more would be sense. Awesome. I can't yeah. see Bill going to the Commanders. Uh the Raiders job is closed. You got Atlanta. He's not going to do Carolina, I don't think. Right. It uh, feels
6: like Atlanta, right?
0: Yeah, Atlanta and that's it. Yeah. But it feels like okay, two interviews. It has it gone on a little t- cuz you can hire him right now. Has it gone on a little too long. I mean, it has for me where I have more doubt now than I did before.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think the whole conversation around Coach Belichick are one of the most important ones, I, you know, really from the jump has been how much say he wants in personnel. You know, the 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 last 10 drafts in New England have been bad. So was Terry Fontenot is the general manager in Atlanta. Is he giving up power to select? Is he giving up power in final say? How much does, you know, Coach Belichick want? I've, I said this yesterday, Dan. I You've been around it longer than me, and I don't pay attention to it or certainly haven't as much. But, you know, the more that maybe some of these conversations or calls come in for me as well, like, does this coaching cycle just feel like it's taken a long time? I feel like teams have moved faster in the past than they are right now. And I know Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson are very much so still in that conversation, Todd Monken. So maybe they're waiting on those guys, but I don't know.
0: How many interviews have you had with teams?
6: Oh um I don't know if they're full interviews yet, you know. I'm still in the season or whatnot. I've I've been I've had conversations and been hit up by people in, in teams, yes. Um but I, I haven't dove into, you know, full full go interview or anything like that. Well,
0: how does that work though? They just yeah, reach I get out and- reached out to. Okay.
6: Yeah, you get reached out to and said, Hey, you know, This is this is the vision, Um, you know, whether staying or going somewhere, would love to sit down and talk with you about a role in some capacity. Title is always something that nowadays, you know, it's, I guess, like a fluid conversation or, or maybe not necessarily a very specific thing. But you just get contacted by people and, hey, what's your interest level, all that stuff. It's always very, very, very flattering.
0: Well, you can't get that kind of competition sitting in a sterile studio. You you can never replicate that after you get done playing, yeah. but this is as close as you're going to get. So I certainly understand what that poll could be, that draw, but you do have yeah. you have you have a great job. It's like I you know yeah. I remember telling John Gruden like if you give up Monday Night Football, you won't get it back.
6: Yeah yeah no no doubt I I I love my job. I love working for ESPN. I love working for people like Burke Magnus and Jimmy Pataro and those dudes have been awesome for me. And I love working with the people that I get to work with. I do say this though, um, and I'm very aware of how fortunate I am, the more I get away from being done playing, the greater the pull back to it, just because of the competitive drive. You know, like Lewis Riddick and I walk the field with Fowler every time we do a Monday night football game, and Lewis always gets to the point, and we'll kind of look at each other, and he always says like, man, you can't. You, this is the best you you, you you your juices just get going and it's all you know and you know it's it's that that pull to be a part of that is is um you know I don't know if it'll ever go away but I can say it certainly gets stronger as the years go on
0: Well good luck with the Seahawks Dan.
6: <laughs> Seattle, I'll tell you this When you fly to Seattle, you feel like you're flying to Mars, man You are out there So, <laughs> But if you live
0: there, you don't have to fly there That's a good point, good point Good to talk to you, thank you Dan You too, bud, thank uh, you Dan Orlowski of the Mothership, <laughs> part of NFL Live Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern You know, he started to talk about when people reach out to you And I'm like, well, wait a minute here Hold on, you're bearing the lead here because I thought that maybe when Jeff Saturday was with the Colts that he was going to go and work for Saturday with the Colts which wouldn't have been a good move because Saturday's no longer doing that and he would probably be out of a job. You know, it's hard to give that up. You know, you got a good job. It's hard to give that up. But you got to put yourself in in the position of these coaches. And a lot of that, these guys are former players. You're trying to find that Like, you want that aggressive, that competitive, like, I I can get back out there. Instead of going to Bristol, Connecticut and sitting in a studio with a couple other guys who themselves would love to be back out on the field in some capacity. But, you know, he's only 40. He'll probably uh, get an opportunity here soon.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com.
5: Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
2: If I could eat bacon for every meal, I I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could.
1: You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope, I was wrong. Hmm. Because then I tried right-brand bacon, and honestly... Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice. And you should really just try it for yourself.
2: Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon.
0: We talk analytics coming up here in a moment. I have hypothetical Super Bowl matchup ons. If the Lions played the Ravens, what would the point spread, according to DraftKings, be? Todd?
3: Ravens by four
0: and a half. All righty. Anybody have a different suggestion on that point spread? Could be correct. Paulie? I think I'll go five and a half. Okay. Seaton, Three and a half? Three and a half is correct. There you go. The Lions would get three and a half versus the Ravens. The Niners. If the Niners played the Ravens, who's favored and by how much, Marvin? Ravens by four and a half. The Ravens by four and a half over your Niners. Okay. Todd?
3: I'm going to say Niners two and a half.
0: All right. Paulie?
2: I'm also going two and a half.
1: All right.
3: Seaton.
0: Ravens favored uh, one and a half. Niners would be giving one and a half. To the Ravens. If the Lions played the Chiefs, Seton? Uh, Let's see. Patrick Mahomes. I have the Chiefs favored 47.5. 47.5 points. (laughs) Okay. You're off uh, by a little bit. Okay. What about you, Todd?
3: I'm going to say the Chiefs would be favored by (laughs) 3.5.
0: I'm uh, going to give it to you. It's 3. Okay. I'm going to give it to you because it's 3. And then we'll... uh, (laughs) Or 47 and a half. The Niners against the Chiefs. Who's favored and by how much, Paul? Niners, Chiefs, uh, 49ers,
3: one and a half. All right. Marvin? Niners by two and a half.
0: Bloop, bloop, yeah. bloop, oh, bloop, then. bloop. Yeah. Okay. We did it. I don't know what we accomplished, but. it uh, uh, was a lot, though. Yeah, that was. Yeah, Steve Palazzolo, head of uh, football product. Well, that sounds important. Co-host of the uh, Pro Football Focus NFL show. He crunches numbers. Always good to see you again, Steve. Walk me through the two-point conversion with the Buccaneers and how the coaches would rely on analytics to come to that decision.
4: Yeah, so this is a, a new thing that's really come to light over the last few years. Teams when they when they're down fourteen, they score a touchdown. They're now down eight. And they're, they, this has happened a lot more often now. It didn't happen at all six, seven, eight years ago. This year it happened a bunch where you're down eight after the touchdown and you go for two. And I know the conventional wisdom is, well, you're down 14, you go seven and seven. You're trying to tie it up. The goal is to get to overtime. But what teams have, it, what, what happened was they, when they move the field goal back, the extra point back, the rate of uh, hitting the extra point goes from like 99% to about 94, 95%. So you have far more missed extra points. And a two-point conversion, depending on how good your team is, could be about a 50-50 proposition. So basically what teams are saying is, it, let's assume overtime is a 50-50 proposition. Well, a two-point conversion is also a 50-50 proposition. When when do you want to make that bet, basically? So a lot of teams are saying, let's do it early. Let's go for two early. And in truth is, it might be better than 50% that you're going to get that two-point conversion. And then if you do get it, you have the advantage as far as if you score again you kick the extra point and you win. Now, all this to say, when you're down 8 late in the game, you're probably going to lose anyway. Like we're talking about minimal percentage point increases here, but we saw it with the Dolphins and the Titans on Monday Night Football. The Titans went for two and it worked out for them, right? And they were the underdogs in that situation and it ended up working out. So, teams are just trying to increase their win probability by going for two early so then if they do get that second touchdown, they're almost assured of the win.
0: But I think you got to look at this you know situation by situation team by team where you can't go hey we're going for 2 and we're carolina or we're going for 2 and we're the chiefs so does analytics factor in who's actually making the plays
4: yes so in in this particular situation i think the math is pretty clear no matter who the team is going for 2 will ultimately give you a better opportunity so but like what you said with carolina and kansas city the same thing applies to overtime You know, if you're the Carolina Panthers, do you actually want to go to overtime and have both teams potentially get the ball? You're a lesser team. Do you actually want to play that out? So if you're the underdog, you're probably better off going for one play, right? Would you rather have one play to win it or have to go a whole overtime period to try to win it? So I think it it almost works out to go for it no matter what. If you're the Chiefs, you say, "Hey, I got Patrick Mahomes. We're on offense here. Of course, I want one play to win it." Or if you're the Panthers, you would say, "Oh, I'm the Panthers. I'm not a great team. I don't want to play a whole overtime period. I'm probably going to take that one play and go for it." But you know, we have models that you know to the, to project when to go for it on fourth down, when to punt, and we do factor in who the quarterback is, the strength of the team, how well they run block, how well they run the ball, throw the ball, pass block, whatever it might be. And teams have that same information as well. They will run all that. They can't do it on the fly, obviously, with technology. They will run all of that information before the game and do their best to have that all printed out and have those situations ready so they can make that decision right right as it
0: comes up. I take me back to the Buffalo Bills with the fake punt. The analytics on a fake punt or just saying to Josh Allen, it's fourth and five, we're going to line up and go for it there.
4: Are yeah, there analytics for that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I, I, the fake punt success rate, a fourth and five is not very good. Uh, fourth and five conversion rate, I'm not sure off the top of my head what it would be with Josh Allen, but I, I'm pretty sure that's higher, especially with his ability to throw the ball, to run the ball. You'd rather have the ball um, in his hands. Um, initially I thought it was an adjustment. I thought it was a call as far as, Hey, there's 10 men on the field. They see something with the fronts. Most punt teams have that adjustment. I mean, it sounds like it came from the sideline. So, um, that's Sean McDermott trying to take a chance. It's a, it's a high risk proposition, right? And they got kind of lucky that the chiefs ended up fumbling. That should have ended the game essentially put, you know, put the chiefs up two scores. Um, but again, you're, you, they weren't the underdog in Buffalo, but they were at that point. They're playing from behind. They're, they have to try to take a chance. That's why they did it, but it was always going to be a high-risk proposition.
0: I'm wondering about gut gut feeling that when you make a decision that maybe is anti-analytics. feels like baseball is so handicapped by analytics, predicated by analytics, that we've lost the gut feeling of, you know what? There's momentum here or we're at home or, you know, we're on the road, whatever it might be. I don't how much is factored in in decisions that are that go against the analytics.
4: Yeah, I mean, the so the two examples I want to bring up. So Dan Campbell on the Saturday night game against the Dallas Cowboys, he goes for two for the win. And of course, we know everything. They get the penalty and they, they move back to the seven. Analytics absolutely says once you move back to the seven, let's kick the extra point. You don't have to go for two any longer. That was an emotional gut decision by Dan Campbell. That's who he is. He just said, we're going for it. We're going for the win. I don't care where we are. Um, Obviously, that one didn't work out. The other thing that we hear all the time is, well, the spreadsheet doesn't know if my left guard's getting whooped. You're not on the field, and you don't know. I'm the coach. I got a good feel for my players. And it's a fair point. But again, at some point, you're even if it's your gut, you're doing some kind of calculation in your head, right? Like you're doing something, right? Normally, I would go for it, but I'm not today because something's happened in this game. And the example I wanted to bring up was earlier this year, the Rams were down big against the Dallas Cowboys. Matthew Stafford had a thumb injury, and they went for two, down three scores, and they ran a Philly special to Matthew Stafford. So they threw him the ball on the end around, and Stafford catches it, and he dives into the end zone and hurts his injured thumb even more. And it was one of those plays where the coaches often say, well, you don't know what's happening on the field. It was like this perfect example where the coach knows the quarterback has a busted thumb, and he still pl- called the play to put him in harm's way. Right, so it, even though we hear that all the time, it doesn't mean the coach is going to make the best decision for the team, even if he knows the team and he's on the sideline. I didn't think that was a great call, you know, to put your quarterback in harm's way. And Stafford ended up missing the next game too. So um, we hear that all the time, and I think the spreadsheets just a way to kind of like bring that back to center
0: and quantify things. He's Steve Palazzolo joining us on behalf of Pro Football Focus. If uh, you had a vote, if everybody at Pro Football Focus had a vote for MVP with just numbers, no opinion attached to this, just numbers, who's your MVP?
4: This is a challenging one because I think if you looked at just numbers, you're looking at Josh Allen or Dak Prescott. And I think the, the challenge with Dak Prescott is if you just looked at the numbers for 17 games, he has an MVP case. But when you look at the stories behind those games, when they came, Dak had his, he did his best work against the worst teams in the league, which is still valuable to beat up on the Giants and the Commanders and dominate those games. But when Dak had to go up against the 49ers with potentially the number one seed on the line or to go up against the Bills, and in big games, Dak had his worst outing. So that was like, on paper, he might be the most valuable player, but he didn't do it at the right times. And then Josh Allen, kind of similar. Um, it, did it always happen at the right times? The Bills actually ran the ball better and won down the stretch without him. Um, I don't think we have any problem with Lamar Jackson winning it all. Uh, but I think if you just went by the numbers, you'd look at Dak Prescott or Josh Allen.
0: Does Pro Football Focus have WAR? Do they have, you know, wins above replacement like baseball has?
4: Yeah, we do, and it's um, it's tied to our grades. Uh, and it and it does correlate to winning really, really high. All the be- all the ten-win teams every single year, they have a much higher WAR than the uh, than the teams that win less than ten games. Um. So it is a it's a really good metric, and it and it does a nice job, I think, of isolating the value of the quarterback versus a receiver versus a safety, and you know their contribution to winning.
0: Always great to talk to you, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the postseason. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Steve Palazzolo, he's a tall guy. Saw him at the Super Bowl. He's like six nine, six ten. Former minor league uh, pitcher. Now. Uh, Joining us on behalf of Pro Football Focus, uh, Luke in Utah. Hey, Luke, what's on your mind today?
4: Hey, Dan, I just um, I lost my pie to the face that and uh, about the Packers and Texans winning the Super Bowl. Yep. So I
5: just wanted to see what kind of pie to the face I have to take. I
4: lost
0: it to Fritzy. All right, Fritzy, what kind of pie should Luke take to the face? I always
3: lean towards blueberries. Okay. A little extra messy and colorful. I'd okay. go blueberry.
0: All right. We uh we opt for blueberry there, Luke.
3: Lightly heated, <laughs> extra sticky.
0: Uh, Craig in Milwaukee. Hi, Craig.
5: Hi. How are you? Great. Great. Uh, first of all, my brother Paul, one sixty-five, one seventy with the beard, five foot Okay. And I just have to say, I I feel like you're very biased against Fritzy. He has a lot of good content, as you know, content is king. And I feel like Seaton could say the exact same thing and you'll just laugh at it. But Fritzy always is a dollar, but Fritzy is without him, I feel like there wouldn't be much of a show to be honest.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Craig. We'll make sure you vote for most valuable Danette later on in the year.
3: That was a paid presentation.
0: No, yeah, and that's fine. Hey Fritzy offers a lot of great things on this show. And he offers some things that aren't so great. The
3: views of the calls don't reflect <laughs>
0: you. I don't think anybody else has higher highs and lower lows than Todd does.
3: It shows in the voting for the yes, most at least Yes, liable. it
0: does. Yes, it does. But uh, uh, I've I've uh, been with Fritzie for over two decades. And uh,
3: how did you pull that off? You should be like
6: institutionalized. By no, no,
0: I'm always entertained. Sometimes frustrated. But you know, there's an entertainment factor there, and I uh, I I don't take it for granted. The like love thing. Yes, I I love you. I don't always like you. Yes, and that's fair. Yes, Paul.
2: It's kind of like a baseball player who homers or strikes out, like what Adam Darnish. Mm. It's 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 going yard
0: or. <laughs> You're kind of like Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Dave
3: Kingman-ish,
2: yeah, back in, but he well, hits back in the day.
0: He hits home runs. Yeah, that guy, yeah, Steve Balboni. Yeah, yeah, he hits long home runs, but not very often. When you whip, it's a no, real no,
3: stench. No. Is what's going on there. <laughs> on there?
0: But you still get back up there. Yeah, the you plate. do. Yeah, you do. Take a couple cuts. Yeah, you do. You always get your cuts in.
3: Get a couple of foul tips. You never know. Maybe if you know a kid gets a souvenir out of it.
0: Mike in Montana. Hi, Mike. <laughs> a souvenir. Hey, First time, long time, 510, 190. I love the show. I love every
3: one of you guys. Thanks for entertaining me every day of my life. I want to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. I saw Todd Helton was in, and, you know, he has great numbers, this and that. I get it. But I start looking into it, and it Bothers me even more that Donald Arthur Mattingly is not cutting in. I think Don Mattingly, for a decade, was one of the best, if not considered the best, first baseman in the league.
0: Yeah, you'll get no argument from me, Mike, on that. You know, injuries, bad back, cut short his career. We allow that with other players in other sports, and Don Mattingly, to me, is a Hall of Famer. Um, He was, there were a couple of years where he was the best player in baseball. He was a great fielder, and uh, he was really the the core of that team. They weren't great then, and I think that hurt him. If you play in a World Series or two, maybe if he had been able to hold on for a couple of years and been uh, a role player with the Yankees uh, when they won World Series titles, then maybe he gets in. Yes, Mark?
3: I think also being a Yankee and not having any World Series success definitely hurts for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I just think how we look at baseball players is changing of the numbers. Um, You know, you may have a compiler like Adrian Beltre, uh, who was also, I think he won five gold gloves. But who is a Hall? It's fame. Who has fame? Not just numbers. That, to me, is a, a unique word. It's the Hall of Famous. Fame. And... Do I think Joe Mauer is a Hall of Famer? Yes. Not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Is Buster Posey a first ballot Hall of Famer? Um, Adrian Beltre? I mean, that 95% of the vote? Todd Helton? Uh, you know, those are really good numbers. Skewed because of Coors Field. But, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? I guess. Billy Wagner, Hall of Famer? I guess. It's just, it's different now. Everybody gets into the same building. So Joe Maurer is going to be there with Johnny Bench. Is he Johnny Bench? No, but those are, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame catchers. And it's not Joe's fault. I mean, he, he was a really good player. Really good player. And stayed with one team. But, you know, also you factor in, you know, somebody will say, well, was he good with the media? What does that have to do with it? Did Gary Sheffield not make it because he wasn't good with the media? I mean, that'd be a shame if you keep somebody out because he wasn't nice to you. Barry Bonds wasn't nice to me, but would I vote against him from the standpoint of, you know, just numbers and what he did? No, I wouldn't use that against him. You know, A-Rod and I don't get along. Uh, Terrell Owens and I haven't gotten along. Terrell Owens a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, A-Rod is not, but that's because of other things. But I wouldn't hold that against him because I didn't get along with him and vice versa. And, but you have voters who do. They'll be like, yeah, man, that guy, he's a good guy. Man, he was good with the media. Ted Williams was horrible with the media. You had guys who voted against him, who covered the Red Sox when he hit four oh six. Like Now, Grant, I think DiMaggio won it that year, Which, but you you had guys who covered the Red Sox who voted against Ted Williams because they didn't like him. I mean, you shouldn't be voting. Factor that in. Well, you know, he's got the... I don't like him. Okay. I'm not going to vote for him.
5: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff...